That's right. We're back once again, live in Greenwood. Bonjour, shalom, and what's up? And welcome back to How You Living. You know, uh, Greenwood's uh, only political podcast. Probably not the only, but you know. I, don't uh, know I why mean, I just said that. I'm going with it. <laughs> We're definitely the number one uh, Greenwood political podcast uh, coming to you at least the best podcast live from the Chaz Tower in the million and a half thousand five hundred K. <laughs> 250 <laughs> Patreon viewer donated <laughs> studio, and we appreciate you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, uh, welcome back, folks. Once again, yes, this is How You Live In, uh, a show that takes place in Greenwood in uh, the fanciest studio, the, this side of the Aurora Bridge. Uh, those are very specific Seattle references to start us <laughs> off today. Normally, though, without further ado, I start this show off with a simple question to my friend, Chaz host of the show and that question is Chaz how you living so I'm, I'm doing pretty well overall but since it's been a while since we've actually did a show you know what Chaz has not been able to complain about the Seattle local election oh wow yeah it, this one got a little bit away from us yeah like this is this is where I'm like I mean this is weeks old right and usually we do a whole thing where we tell you about the candidates leading up to it and everything but you know life is happening the pandemic is weird but, like, it seems like we voted in a bunch of neoconservatives. Okay. So into, like, for Bruce Harrell as mayor, um, Ann Davidson as attorney, and I forget Sarah's full name, um, for the for the ninth uh, at-large, or, like, Seattle City Council position nine, which is an at-large position. Right, meaning it covers the entirety of the city. Mm-hmm. Uh, formerly, there was only regional representation, and they created mm-hmm. these two at-large ones to kind of give more of a holistic look at the city while mm-hmm. the, the regional partnerships could kind of focus on individual areas and their right. problems. And for, and for those who follow local politics, I know some of our listeners do, um, Teresa Mosqueda was reelected in the uh, eighth position. At large, and of course, Lorena Gonzalez was originally in the ninth, but she gave it up to run for uh, mayor, but did not get the mayorship. So, so it's going to be very interesting to see like what is going to happen because I've been I've been watching this one new YouTuber is like Summit Homes Northwest, and he has a very conservative like stint on everything, but it feels like conser- in in all my time on Next Door, it feels like conservatism here. Is like like basically a lot of people think that the houselessness crisis is getting out of hand, and they basically think whatever we've done before was progressive, so they think that our progressive things aren't working. And as someone who thinks of themselves as a leftist and a progressive, I don't think shit we've done has been progressive. All we've basically done is like, please don't criminalize them for being homeless, right? And but right. You, but we haven't done anything to like solve the problem at its core. Yeah. And like uh, Nikita Oliver was running for the ninth position and she had ideas to fix it at its core. Yeah. And Sarah was like, nah, fuck that. Right. So like now now I think like if you ask me and this might be the pessimistic point of view, but I think with this new administration is going to become more not vindictive, um, 
more not reprehensible, but is an R word I'm looking for. Um, like retributive, right? Like if now people who are experiencing houselessness are gonna have like retributive justice because you know, like it, there's and, and it is it, it's, it's interesting too because like I've lived in the city now for 13 years, right? And and I remember when I first moved here, like, living downtown in Belltown would have cost you, like, $800 for, like, one of those, like, older studios. 100%. Right? Yep. And then, like, when the crash of 2010 happened, like, <clears throat> rentals became better. But then because of the huge tech boom um, in the area and led by Amazon and others, and the city council really not doing anything to curtail it, right, um, it just started to shoot rents to the moon. And now, right, and its studies show that economics have been the main reason why people are experiencing houselessness, right? And, and there, of course, there's going to be, like, some drug addiction and everything like that. But as a person who's experienced houselessness twice, I was never addicted to drugs, right? I just didn't have a place to stay, right? Like, I right. thankfully had friends I could stay with until I could get back on my feet, right? Because mine wasn't total. Like, the first one, which was actually in Canada, was more economic-related, but... The second one here in Seattle was because there was a fire in my apartment, right? But, you know, if I had a fire in my apartment and have friends to rely on, I could have been out on the streets, too, for God knows how long, right? Like, so so I do feel like, like I understand people's frustrations because even living here in Greenwood, it only happened. It's, there's a few times I've encountered maybe people experiencing houselessness or maybe something else, but... Like, one of the times was it was this guy who was in our front area, um, and he was just hanging out there when I came outside, and I just looked at him. Oh, no, no, that's right. I caught him about to inject something in his arm. That's what it was, right? And I'm just like, all right, right? Like, like That wasn't Botox. That wasn't Botox, oh, right? Okay. Right, and then and because, like, and a lot of people might look at that like, oh, you didn't call the police or anything? I'm like, first, he was black, so I wasn't going to call the police on him. Right, <laughs> like, <Facts>. right. <laughs> Secondly, I understand that um, drug addiction is a disease, right? And calling the police isn't you don't like the city doesn't have the system set up to deal with their problem. Like, and, and this is a presumption, right? Like, like this is me taking like they're on the street, possibly allegedly, as they would say, right? And they're about to shoot up, presumably drugs, right? Like. If that's the case, like, calling the police isn't going to help them get treatment. It's just going to be like, oh, no, I don't want to see this disgusting thing in my life, so I'm going to, like, put it... Like, no, right? Like, yes, I did not go through the front door when I came back from the store. I went to the back door, like, the back door, right? Because I don't need him knowing what how to get into my house or anything, right? Like, you got to protect yourself, right? But I'm not going to deny the person's humanity, right? right? So... Like, and then there was another time I went through my back door and then there was just a guy who was sitting by where our compost is. And then he was all like, is it okay if I sit here? I'm like, I don't care. Right? You're not harming everyone. Like, <laughs> like Yeah. <clears throat> well, and it's like, okay, so, you know, there was a bit of good news in the world in the last couple of weeks where um, that ocean cleanup project that we've talked about on this show before, the Boy and Slat um, program, it, it's actually starting to make some headway. Hmm. And um, over time, it was like, you know, focus on the garbage patch, and then they started focusing on cleaning up rivers. Now, I'm going to draw a conclusion or kind of a connection, but not based on the idea. I'm not saying homeless people are similar to the garbage patch of the Pacific. But people what experiencing homelessness. We don't essentialize homelessness on this podcast. But what I would say is 
one of the correlations of these two problems is you're dealing with a problem of scale, mm -hmm. like large scale, also with um, factors that are leading to it. So mm -hmm. in the case of the garbage patch, the, the rivers that are feeding the oceans, the plastics that are floating out into the garbage patch. So, mm -hmm. so, so when you're talking about fixing homelessness, you know, you have that initial kind of focus on the population that's currently experiencing, you know, housing crisis or however you want to put it, what, what circle you want to draw to include uh, either the most people or the most specific or the most needy, whatever you want to describe your problem. It, it needs to be addressed both at the point of, okay, this person needs a house. So one solution is find them housing. They have a house. Mm -hmm. But then there's all the contributing factors that are leading to a, them being homelessness and in, 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 you know, increasing housing crisis, but that also, you know, there's not ways out. So there's things that are factors that are leading to that situation. Mm -hmm. And then there are less factors uh, awarding exit from the situation. So when similar to that, the, the garbage patch problem, when he started finding out was, well, if we don't clean up these rivers, we'll never clean up the garbage patch. Mm. It's like if we don't find the avenues that are leading direct to homelessness without checks and balances of the social network to try and, you know, reach out these people and help them kind of curb them from that situation. And then now that we have people in that situation, how do we um, create avenues and angles to get out? And so that's kind of the problem what we have is these these umbrella tactics on homelessness just try to call it like uh -huh. there's this group of people on the streets we just got to magically give them keys to century 21 homes and everything is fixed you know to a certain degree yeah and and that's not it now that's a big piece of it i think shelter and security is 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 kind of step 1 um you know there's a lot of problem there's a lot of problems with our system especially coming from government aid in the necessity of identity. So you literally would have to go and identify these individuals, mm -hmm. you know, that's a part of it, right? Through, you know, government numbers. So let me tell you what my plan is like, or, or if I was in control, if I had a magic wand or whatever, okay, you're, what, you're, what I would do, because there is a multi-stage process. First, you have to understand that not everybody experiences homelessness the same way. Right. If it's somebody who's having mental health issues or um, drug addiction, um, drug addiction. Right. I think for drug addiction, one of the places where you can like this is even though the city is against it, I am 100 percent for safe injection um, stations. I forget what they call it because it works in Canada. Right. Like there is one place in uh, Vancouver where a lot of individuals dealing with addiction go to for that. Because having that would allow you to triage the individuals having that problem, right? And then the problem with shelters, because I've talked to friends who have experienced um, homelessness before to the point where they needed to stay in shelters, is shelters are usually wide open, unsafe, right? So if you're going to create a shelter as a part of another way of triaging it, you probably need to do more of a dormitory style thing where, you know, they have a place where they can lock up their stuff. Don't tell them you need to be out of here by 9 a.m. and then be back here at 8, um, 8 p.m. But if you don't have a spot, then you don't have a place to sleep, right? Like having to expand the access to that would be another way to triage them as well, too. And then, like, then you can get them the mental 
health services through those because you have a way for like identifying them or maybe even if there is money for it give them a burner cell phone so they can call you when they're having problems right, right. or like <clears throat> i mean i don't think you can track them and that'd be a little weird and a little right? privacy thing so don't Wh- do that which is interesting because right? like, <laughs> you know that's an interesting statement because there is a a litany of of technological advances that would help us medically understand their needs but yeah mm-hmm. to a degree you'd be tagging and tracking <laughs> right members of the homeless population which right. is dehumanizing in its nature yeah even they're, with its... they're people experiencing homelessness it's not yeah. a mutable character it's, an, it's not an immutable characteristic right yeah. like a per it's just a person who's either chronic houselessness right which means you know they have it over a period of time for a long period of time because chronic doesn't have a limit right it just means yeah. often um and because once you have like those systems where you can actually get people like at least starting to understand what their problems are right like the safe injection site is the first step right they need that as long as like they have a chemical dependency on the drug that they're taking right right? and and usually people die of overdoses because there isn't someone there to help them not be overdosed right and it could be also there like it could help them test their drugs right if you're somebody who does like any sort of drugs like psychedelics or whatever like you always supposed to test your drugs but if you're on the streets and you have drugs and you don't have any way to test it how are you supposed to know like i just finished watching dope sick which was all about you know the oxycontin thing right, right? and people were overdosing on oxycontin by taking it like through their regular doses and everything right so like and then there is like methadone even to the point where you can print out a methadone um prescription take it to your local pharmacy and say hey I want these so you can have them on hand just in case you see someone have taken getting an overdose and you can administer it to them or give it to them so they don't die of said overdose right and well that and what's the uh there's also the the nasal spray yeah that yeah can you can you can get yeah i think that's what it yeah i haven't gotten it yet i should because you never know right um but like that's step one like step one is triaging the problem clarifying the problem right because ultimately you want to put people in housing and one stop making like don't make it means tested i know republicans and centrists want it to be means tested or whatever or you got to be clean before you get housing or anything but but no like people like have you like maybe nobody has ever really thought about how hard it is to like be a productive member of society without like housing and identification but i do because i lived in a foreign country where i didn't have all that and i tried to find a job and that shit was really fucking difficult right like so like if you're not giving people like a place to stay where they can establish themselves where you know they can wash up every day they can eat every day they can cook for themselves they can actually say oh where are you living oh this is my address right right where because every and especially like and the thing is too for like the type of jobs that we i guess think that they're going to get like you know service jobs or things like that those jobs take interviews seriously as fuck right like like you have yeah. to come in in a suit you got to be dressed nice right like like for like it's in and, and the reason why i'm saying this with such intensity is for the amount you get paid for them, I think it's overkill the amount that they think you should care about coming in to their interviews for, right? Yeah. Like, like no, like, I mean, like, 
Like, and, and of course, I work in tech, and tech could give zero shits how you show up to an interview, right? <laughs> like, right. And and I and I think like yeah, adapt that. Like, I don't care. Like, just don't come out. Like, like I would say, don't come smelly. But how how can that be the case if they don't have a place to wash up? Like, what the fuck, right? So, like, getting them housing and getting them housing that they can like live in. Um, is the next thing, and and that's hard right now. But that's why I voted for Nikita Oliver because she wanted to create a municipal bank that was able to like take out loans and actually build housing based on that. And then um, Sarah, she wants to keep using Wells Fargo, which I thought we were moving away from Wells Fargo because they're shady. But also, like, is Wells Fargo Wells Fargo going to approve those loans? Maybe, maybe not, right? But right. What, what time, like, but if you have the city do it, then the city can control. And, and that's the other thing. The biggest thing, the biggest thing that I think maybe got Bruce Harrell elected that I think we need is we need massive rezoning and we need to get rid of single family zoning, right? And and I know people who own single family homes are going to be like, whoa, slow the fuck down, Chaz. Like, no, it's like one Rezoning the single family zoning doesn't mean you automatically lose your house. Your house does not become illegal if you have a single family home on a single family plot. And I've actually looked at the zoning laws because when my old townhome that I was living in was getting uh, sold, I was like, based on the zoning laws, is it are they going to keep it as a rental property or are they going to tear it down and build something new? Because I needed to know: Do I need to be mentally prepared to move, and do I have I don't have the money to move? Oh no. Right. Thankfully, like based on the zoning of where where that was in North Seattle, um, it was basically like either like cottage homes or like maybe a midsize apartment. Right. Like it didn't really seem fiscal sense for anybody to tear it down to build it up back again. Right. But in Seattle, there are three different types of single family home zoning and like 96 um, hundred square feet, 7200 square feet and 5400 square feet, if I remember correctly. Right, and that is the majority of Seattle's housing, and and that is totally untenable with the amount of people who are moving to Seattle, and also untenable with the fact that even though Bruce Harrell's like, I want people to have generational wealth, Bruce Harrell, first of all, what the fuck, right? First of all, they're pushing everyone down south of Yesler Way, right? And those people are getting pushed out because the people up north won't expand it. Like, the nimbyism there isn't helping, and you are contributing to the nimbyism, right? right? So I'm like, I'm sitting here like, if you want to fix the problem, you need to give access to a more efficient use of land, and California just did this by banning single-family home, um, single-family zoning. So now, on a single-family plot, like, on that 9600 plot, you could have a quad, like, you... Yeah, you, yeah, you could... <clears throat> You can have a quad. You could put some apartments there. Like, I, I hate it anytime I watch the debate <clears throat> about Seattle politics and someone said, oh, what, do you want to have apartments everywhere? Like, first of all, why the fuck do you hate apartments so much? Like, do you not believe that people need to live? Right. And, and also, like, you are coming down like me as a person. I am an individual. Right. And I'm and I am at the behest of my job to pay me and at the behest of my landlord to, like, give me whatever would be affordable rent based on whatever my budget is. I don't have control over that shit, right? Like, so you're trying to tell me that, you know, having more competition in a market structure thing because you feel like you need to commodify something that is essential isn't something you should do based on what? Because you don't like it, right? Well, I don't care. Your feelings are being ineffective right now, and I'm not a fan, right? So, <laughs> um, 
So so that's how I feel. That this is why I'm really like upset about Seattle politics right now cuz I felt like we just elected people who are like, "Well, I got mine. Fuck you." Like they they would be very upset with you if you told them that to their face cuz they probably don't feel that way. But I feel like the outcome of this election is very protectionist and not really trying, not understanding that Seattle is not this like, you know, grunge punk place that's pretty cheap to live that like has its own flavor. Like we 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 don't have that anymore, right? right. It's becoming a playground for the <clears throat> rich, and it'll continue to become a playground for the rich if you don't build systems in place that allows for everybody, like especially and like allows for the people who helps you with your like daily lives and everything. Like, I mean, I don't know what the new offices situation is going to be like after, you know, remote work and everything, but if you have the restaurants in your area and even the people who deliver your food, right? Like, like, like I, every time I'm in a car with someone, they're like, no, I drove up from Tacoma, right? Not every time, but like, it's frequent enough where I'm like, and, and I see anecdotally enough of my friends moving out of the city because they keep getting priced out. And my question is to you is, like, what leads you to believe people should be priced out of the city, right? Like, and what leads you to believe you don't want to put mechanisms in place so people don't get priced out of the city, right? Like, or better yet, what leads you to believe that a market economy is a viable way to give people equitable housing? Like, I don't know, right? And right. Like, I, I'm sorry. That was a long-ass rant, but, like, I, I had this on my chest for weeks, so y'all just needed to know how upset I was at this election and how I do not think they'll solve the problem. And I think and it's going to be a huge reckoning in four years when the problem gets worse, not better, based on the based on their protectionist policies and not trying to build housing for enough people so they can live comfortably in the city. Yeah, but we can all participate in the squid game by then. So it'll all, <laughs> it'll all work out. We'll just have squid games. Uh, and that, folks, is our opening segment. Prior to any opening segment, <laughs> I, I normally would do a callback. I guess we'll, we'll call that our callback yeah. to local Seattle elections. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, we did several <clears throat> episodes over the years. Because, uh, yeah, we're coming up on, would this be six years in December? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, year five was pandemic year, so it was a little weird. But Yeah, know. yeah, six years in December. Uh yeah, Trump for the first. Now we got some Biden time. We got Joe Biden, Joe but, Biden's bitch ass. Yeah. Uh, fuck Joe Biden. You got you got Kay Harris in the house. Yeah, man, come, Kamala, she she, she you okay? AOC, <laughs> a, a, AOC got reelected. She's there. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and that shit went down with AOC, and I didn't even like watch the video or whatever. But like that whole thing the about Golsar getting um <laughs> getting censored because of the whole like. Like the video with the yeah I, I don't I, I I heard about it in passing right and I didn't investigate it because usually I don't like dive into like I'm like oh what bigots being bigots again I don't I don't need to waste my time with this right but yeah but uh, apparently like Paul Gosar put something on his Twitter that was um shown to, like him to be shown to kill AOC and then the Republicans are just like no I'm not gonna censor you for that and it's like really. Really? I mean, like, like they're supposed to be your fellow congressperson. And you just right. like, I'm going to cut them up? Like, the fuck is that? Come yeah. On, anyway. <laughs> For real. U.S. politics are fucked up. I don't know where we going. <clears throat> well, we're going somewhere. And uh, for now, we're moving on. Uh, you know, I mean, we can touch. We don't want to leave the elephant in the room. So uh, Chaz and I mentioned it um, in unrelated to previous topic uh 
news and in what we expected the whole time, sadly, due to lapses in our justice system and uh, accountability and even laws, even the way the laws are written. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse has a new album. No, is found not guilty <clears throat> of all charges. Well, yes, yes and no. Like, like there were, I think there were seven charges total, and two of them, like, especially the, like, so the one, so I don't, like, I followed the the case a little bit through political com- commentators more so than anything. Like, I didn't sit there and watch the whole trial because I didn't have really much interest to. Um, but, like, I think he had seven total charges, but two of them were dismissed by the judge. And one of them, the... um the minor with a firearm one, right? I believe if that wasn't discharged by the drugs, the drugs, the judge, um, it would have been, uh, he would have been found guilty of that because like he was 17 at the time. Right. And I think the judge dismissed it because he was like, well, no, like, you know, the judge, like, and the thing about this case too, is the judge was biased as hell. But also, that goes back to what you mentioned about, like, the rivers and the patches. Like, that's just downstream from Trump being elected and being able to put forth very conservative uh, judges um, and put them on the bench, and then you get shit like this happening, right? So it just shows you, like, you know, like, like, because— so it, it it is interesting that like when people want retribution from the justice system and when they don't, right? And and I think here like people on the left and liberals, even like myself, thought that like based on his actions there, retribution for his actions would have been justice. But then there's other people because like every time like once I started diving into it, basically all I heard was no, he has legal precedent for self defense, and I'm like oh oh, oh okay. Right, like, and... Or the first day where they said the protesters couldn't be called victims. Yeah, see, that shit, right? Yeah, like, like, like it, it, it was a lot done by the judge to work in the defense's favor, right? And, and, and that, like, and I feel like, and, and I think they might have had a chance to do a mistrial, but not based on negligence, and, and the thing is, like, there should probably been a mistrial based on negligence, based on the judge, because the judge was biased, and the judge was, like, pro-Rittenhouse um, and creating an environment where it was very hard for the prosecution to prove their case. But I don't—but then there's something to be said that would the prosecution have had a case um, even if they didn't have all this obstruction from the judge? So, like— I don't feel fully equipped to, like, talk about it all because I don't have the full picture of it, right? Like, all I know is, like, because I remember when it first happened and I was, like, following it on social media, and I remember he shot two people, or no, shot three people and two died, right? And then, like, one had a handgun, and I was, and and at the time, like, one of my friends who is um, a veteran was, like, basically their commentary is, like, and this is why you go to the range to practice with your gun, right? Because the dude with the handgun, apparently, like, I thought, like, based on that, that the dude with the handgun shot at Kyle and then missed, and then Kyle with his AR-15 shot him and wounded him to the point where he died, right? So, 
but apparently that might be that might not be the right narrative. So I don't know. I'll have to like dive into it a little bit more to like really see like what what that was all about and how that went down before I can really just like mm, like really like be because I know like basically right now what I hear from the left or like what I've seen from my social media is because of this. This is basically giving um, the right carte blanche to bring their ARs to any um, any protest. And then if they feel under threat in some way, then that gives them, like, precedent to be, like, it's self-defense. Right. Right. So, and, and it's, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out because usually at a lot of these, like, events, um, especially when it was, like, things like Unite the Right, rallies you do see um right-leaning people bring their firearms to these events right like and even when people were protesting covid um lockdowns they brought their guns to events so like what's going to happen now when you throw conservatives into protests with their guns like i don't know but this sets a dangerous precedent that says that well if you come and you feel threatened right like and, and like how a judge is going to interpret what is a threat and what isn't is still up in the air too. Um, it it might just like give carte blanche for people on the right to just mow people down at protests. Is that's what it feels like? Right. Like people would probably say that's a little bit of hyperbole and like no, you're being a, a liberal asshole or whatever. Um, and I'm like no, I don't know. Right. I don't know what presently like, like that is like to me what it feels like from the zeitgeist what they think. Is the president and precedent that it's going to put forth, right? And then does that mean that, like, more leftists need to get strapped now, right? Like, more liberals need to get strapped? Like, like is it, like, is this, is this not the shot heard around the world, but is this the start of the second American Civil War? Not, like, the, like, first part, but, like, basically, is it going to become, like, an arms race now? Because part of me thinks now, like, like, it, it feels like now... If the right is allowed to escalate with their guns at protests, what answer do you have? Peacefulness? Right? Do you come unarmed? Do you bring, like, tear gas to a gunfight? Like, right. what? Right. I, I don't know. Right? So. Yeah. No, it's it's uh, it's uh, it's definitely a powder house, powder keg, you know, like, it's sitting, it's, it's, it's on the precipice of, um, you know, two schools of thought, one misguided, one, you know, unsupported enough, you know, mm-hmm. years. And <clears throat> it's, it's, it's just, yeah, it's all extension. You, you mentioned it again, you know, using the, the, the analogy of the, the river and the, and the garbage patch, like, you know, this does all lead back to four years of Trump mm-hmm. and the rhetoric and then the judgments and the placing judges and, um, you know, it it is it is gonna be a long ways back for anything kind of liberal progressive to to kind of reset even, you know, even if you get another four years, you're not gonna get the Supreme Court placements he got. And you're mm-hmm. not necessarily you're not necessarily gonna replace all the judges. So yeah, it's um it's it's a wild world. And then Rittenhouse, I mean, you know, it's unfortunate because the people died. I, I, you know, ultimately, he's probably just going to be a footnote in history. You know, I don't think I don't know about that. Actually, I think he'll run for political. Like he has so much like conservative clout right now 
that like I think as soon like he can run for probably a local thing in his city. And then, like, if he wants to, like, he has, like, he won't be, like, he'll be around for a while. Okay. Right? Because, like, no, this is, like, you don't understand. Conservatives feel vindicated by his acquittal. Right? Like, they are celebrating this. Right? And... I, I hear you, but I think maybe his desire to be in, in front of all that may not uh, be as as strong. I, I think he might turn out to be a footnote. I think... I think I think he's going to try to distance himself as much as possible from the events of that night and the events of this case. And as much as the Republicans want to use him, he'll probably continue to do some um, interviews and he'll definitely have some type of book made. And who knows? There might even be a movie, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, but I think ultimately he's just it's going to be kind of one of those. In this moment, it, this was the the spark, the catalyst that we recognized, but I don't really see it having lasting power. Now, paint me a fool if he's running for Senate in 12 years, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, <coughs> we'll see. Yeah, and also, it'll be interesting to see what happens to him civilly, because civil cases don't have the same burden of proof as um, criminal cases. Yeah. So just like what happened with OJ, OJ got acquitted of, you know, his of murder there, but he had to pay a whole lot of money um before and and I do think like there there were probably there's a strong case for it cuz again, I don't I don't know enough to know like who's really the aggressor there and like how it shapes out legally. So, we'll see in the civil in the civil trials what's going to go down and see if they're gonna basically bankrupt him, um, and I don't know what ha- Like I don't know what happens to a person where they get like a, a like a fiduciary judgment, but they can't pay it in in the legal sense. So yeah, I mean it. It can be passed to different people, <clears throat> depending on you know their situation. But yeah, it it can eventually just kind of fall the wayside. Um. I know there's that kid who started a fireworks fire in Oregon that caused like fourteen million dollars worth of damage. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's paid that off, but I think he's still a free person out in the world. Oh yeah, no, you don't go to jail for civil <laughs> judgments. But um Or just for money necessarily. Yeah, I think they can garnish your wages. Right? Yeah. Like the only time you can go to jail if you defraud the um, the IRS. But um And nobody is doing that. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't know. Tell that to. I wish I knew people who did that that weren't black. But <laughs> In it, there you hear it, folks. There you go, Chaz. Only black people defraud the IRS. Nigga, I didn't that, say is that. The, that is the, no, the wildest no, take this podcast no, has ever has ever no, heard. No, I Chaz. would. Motherfucker, do not frame my words <laughs> like that. I was gonna say, you know, like Wesley Snipes or Lauren Hill. Right, like oh, okay. in, but I was like, can I think of like I can't think of anybody else that I know of off the top of my head. MC Hammer that have this fraud. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> That's why I was like, uh, I don't know if anyone who who isn't black in this case, which I should, but I don't. Right, I'm just being honest. Ja Rule, 
I didn't Ja Rule like is that for like the oh what's it called the Fire Festival shit? No, prior his Murder Inc. days. Oh fuck! Anyway, he served, get, ja Rule served two two years. I didn't I didn't know that. Let's get off this subject. Okay. Right, this is this is depressing. <laughs> That's funny because my my interruption for today was going to be black people with tax fraud histories, but <laughs> really, no. no, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. Uh, it's gonna be uh, boring this week. Let's uh, interrupt with Mikkel. Here's the theme song. It's Mikkel. He's here to interrupt. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. So we've been talking about some pretty serious topics. Uh, this is uh Sunday in the week of uh everyone's favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. So in uh new segment, holiday Thanksgiving freestyle. Uh, we're just gonna talk about. Uh, random pieces of the holiday that is Thanksgiving. Uh, we don't have to get into the politics of it. Uh, obviously, you know, the Indians and the maize and the fish instead of the turkey and the pilgrims and the polygamy. No, I don't know. No. Polygamy? <laughs> Damn, that, that took a turn. That took a turn. You know, classic, it's like really, classic it, Thanksgiving. It's like, do we talk about colonialism or do we talk about relationship anarchy? Right? Like, yeah. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But let's just remember that only no, just kidding. Uh, okay, so yeah, so so Thanksgiving uh, this Thursday, Chaz. Uh, if someone was to say, "Hey, Chaz, you know, we got the turkey. We need you to bring a side." Uh, what's what's your Thanksgiving side that you would bring? Oh, it's mac and cheese all day, baby. Okay, like, mac and cheese. Like I got like five years straight before the pandemic of just bringing mac and cheese. Right? And, like, is this from from a box? Is this from scratch? Is this modified box? I mean, it's not from a box. Come on, man. Okay, Come okay. On. No. Is this what? Are you, what's your? Are, you, are we doing a crust on top? Are we doing a panko? Are we doing? So see, like see, like 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 in my little black heart, like we can't we can't be we can't be putting the uh, like. Like, usually all it is is, um, it depends on, like, I like to make two types of mac and cheese. Like, my bougie, decadent-ass mac and cheese that has lobster in it, right? And that usually uses a lot of, like, white cheeses in it. Like, so, like, a mascarpone the, to get that, um, what is it? Kind of the, not the, oh, God. I, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to describe food, but I'm also trying to describe food in a way that isn't disgusting to some people, <laughs> so... Right, but just like to get that liquidy bubbliness, like the same you would from Velveeta, right? Um, and then I would put like beechers. I like using beechers for that. Like get some smoked beechers in there and just get like the beechers cheddar, put that all in there. And then I'll I'll actually do that with a breadcrumb, like a, a breadcrumb top and everything, because I feel like you know you need a little bit of crunch in there for that, right? But like, but like my dad's from the south, right? So you know, like I'm trying to put my foot in it. Then I'm going to go get some Tillamook cheese, right? Also another local, but they're in Oregon. Or Beechers isn't here, you know. Um, <clears throat> but, like, I'll get their smoked cheddar. Then I'll get their sharp cheddar. Um, and then I'll get a mild cheddar. And then I'll get Velveeta. I'll put that all in there. Like, make sure, like, it's shredded, right? And then you also, you got to make sure you season your cheese. So, you know, uh, or season your mac and cheese. So, you like, use a little paprika. Use a little... Um, like what else I use? Like salt, pepper. Can't remember off the top of my head of what else I use, right? And I usually like the season each step of it, like season the roux, right? Season the cheese, right? Then put that all in there, then bake it, like with the cheese on top, and then boom, right? 
And I know, and, like, and my parents, when they used to make it, they used to, like, just put, like, the raw noodles in. And then, like, I think, like, some condensed milk and then low and slow for a while. I still haven't figured out how to do that yet, right? And I can't really ask them because they're dead. But, um... Can't really ask them. That's coming up in a future <laughs> podcast where we ask Chaz's dead parents how they made their mac and cheese. It's not even going to be in our top five episodes, but it's my favorite. Back to you, Chaz, and your mac and cheese. Right. So, yeah, then, you know, you put it in the oven, let it bubble up, and then I take that over. And it's always a hit every year. So it, it's my go-to. And But here's the thing. I don't use elbow um, mac and cheese or elbow pasta. I use something called capatavi. It's sort of like... It's, it's like elbow, but it's like a double one. And I just feel like for mac and cheese of that sort, it just holds its structure better. And it's an overall, like, if you wanted to use elbow, look for Kapatavi in your store. I swear by it now. Like, I will never make another, like, casserole-type pasta again without it. Okay. Right? So, so yeah, that, that's where I'm at. Like, and if I was, like, if I wasn't. If I didn't have as much money to spend on it for that, then I would make mashed potatoes, right? And then I would just, you know, like, it's pretty simple. Like, I usually say you get uh, red russets or Yukon golds because it, you um you don't need to, what is it, take off the skin of those uh, or peel them, I should say. Um, and you just, like, boil them, right, and then boil them until, like, you know, you can stick a fork in them a little bit. And then you just get your milk, you get your sour cream, you get your chives, right? You just put that in there, right? And then if you want it to, like, you can even use one of those hand blenders if you want to be, like, restaurant style, like, smear it. Or <coughs> you can just use um a potato smasher after that to get, like, that really lumpiness. Does your potato smasher have the, like, humanoid version of a potato on it? Oh, no. Mine does. Oh, interesting. Yeah, he's got little googly eyes and he's a potato. Mm-hmm. But he mashes potatoes. Oh, okay. He's like the dominatrix of potato world. Oh, shit. I didn't know that. And you then, didn't know that? N- you didn't know that that was what my potato smasher was? Nope. <laughs> that it's a googly-eyed potato that <laughs> smashes other potatoes? Oh, my God. That, <laughs> that feels like potato genocide. It does, right? <laughs> like, looking back on it, I'm like, what's really going on here? There's a whole story. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a Thanksgiving movie about it. Oh, there you go. And then if you wanted to make the gravy, right, like, you could... You could like, there's everything from, like, you can just, like, get one of those packets where, like, I think you just put it in some water and you're good to go. But really. He's making a face, folks. He's judging you if you're getting those packets. I mean. I'm sh- okay with it. I shouldn't judge, right? I'm sorry. That's bougie chess coming out again, right? Like, like if that's where you are at economically, you do you, boo. I was right? going to say, if, but you're if, you- gonna, if you're going to not make something from scratch, gravy is fine because even the, like, best at non-scratch gravy isn't healthy for you so mm-hmm. it's like we're really you're it's your apples and oranges it's fine mm-hmm. so if you show up with the instant gravy i'm still gonna pour it over everything oh yeah it's great oh yeah me too but me my too. gravy's gonna taste better because i'm gonna make it from scratch but yeah and, and that's and that's exactly what i was about to say <laughs> it's like you can go right you can go to the store you can get you some like broth you can either get bone broth or just like the regular one of chicken broth right if you have vegetarians coming over and you're doing like a vegetarian rendition of turkey um, I guess tofurkey it would be. Then you can make it with the vegetable stock. But basically what you want to do is just um, you need to. Well, basically you just have to like put it in a plot, pot, make it come to a boil, put some, uh, what's it called, uh, flour in it. And then that'll like thicken it up for you. But you probably should, honestly, you should probably just make a roux again. Yeah, make a roux. Uh, right, make a roux. Make and a then, roux and slowly add your uh, mm-hmm. your your broth to consistency. Yep. 
and then, and then, then you're some, good to go. And then some fresh aromatics. Mm-hmm. Maybe dice up some greens. Throw it in there. The aromatics. Maybe some garlic. Oh, yeah. Little yeah. Bu- well, you got butter because it's rude. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, grow. You, you, really, you, really, you really ran. That was a, <laughs> a, a Derrick Henry type uh, <laughs> rushing event. You know, I handed you the ball and you went 280 yards <laughs> for a touchdown on a 100-yard field. Um, so, yeah. So, my question of let's talk about random <laughs> turkey thanksgiving things is uh, two recipes <laughs> Uh, for front to back from Chaz, so uh, that's exciting, folks. Mashed potatoes and mac and cheese. Mm-hmm. Uh, and don't worry about the crust. No crust, just baked. Baked, no crust. Interesting. I mean, you can put a crust on there. Like it depends. Like you got to know your audience. Like if you were going to like a, a black family's Thanksgiving, don't put crust on that shit. All right? Like no. <laughs> is it is it because is it is it the top? Am I gonna get razzed? Because now I want to do it. Now if all of your oh, if you- all of your uncles are gonna razz me because I've got. Croutons on top of my. They would razz you. They they would totally that's razz kind of, you. That's kind of fun too. <laughs> There's one thing to just blend in. It's another thing to stand out. You know what I mean? And then you get the one. You're gonna have the one aunt who's gonna be like, "I like it this way." By the way, uh-huh. like, yeah, you know, there, there's definitely gonna be like. <laughs> She's got the wine. Mm-hmm. I mean, like because like personally, I don't mind it. Like I feel like it is like certain mac and cheeses can use the crust because having that like textural. Um, you know, contrast is actually okay. Right. Um, and I've made it with crust and without crust plenty of times. Like, I was just like, mm. like, but, you know, if anybody's seen or read The Hate You Give, right? I think, I don't know if it's in the book, but it was in the movie in where they asked him, like, is mac and cheese a main dish or a side dish? And it's a side dish. That means, like, like it, this is also brings up a question of when does mac and cheese become a casserole? And I think that's when you add any other extra. Well, yeah, I think you need two extra ingredients to make it a casserole. Like you can put some bacon in there, and people will be like, "Yo, this is it. right." Like, mm-hmm. but or like, broccoli, right? But now, if you got bacon and broccoli, <laughs> yeah, see, like broccoli. Even I'm like, I'm like, Man. you ever had broccoli mac? I I have, right? But at that point, it's like. It's like I'm a purist, right? So, like, what's your opinion on shells and cheese? No, <laughs> That's like the next step above uh, box mac and cheese, right, right? Right. What do you What do you with a uh, with a good uh, organic Annie's? Are you? <laughs> I mean, like, you know what? Like, like when you blaze to something. Right, or when you just o- hungry. OG Kraft Mac and Cheese still hits. Yeah, right. I, I like, don't need to know what's in that packet. I know it's, I. but mm-hmm. if you do it right with the with the butter and the milk mm-hmm. and, the, and the packet, that shit still hits. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, yeah, yeah like there's so many different ways to do mac and cheese. Yeah. I, I guess like Southern style mac and cheese. And sometimes Southern style mac and cheese, people put um, egg yolks in it. I've never done that before, though. Huh. Um. Yeah. So there's many different ways. Like basically, you can like just know. I would just say in this case, know your audience. Like you can freestyle on mac and cheese. I don't know if you like. I've made like casseroles where I've put like chicken and like chicken, bacon, and broccoli with noodles to have like to make for meal prep, right? But I wouldn't have called that mac and cheese, right? I, I would have called that a casserole, right? So that's why I'm like that's why I'm like you philosophically out there thought pro like thought experiment. When does a mac and cheese become a casserole, right? <laughs> so. Right, right, and that's where we need to live. <laughs> uh, I also like turkey. I I usually bring a uh, uh, a green bean casserole. 
Oh, there you go. That's my and I and I have to I have full bouge. I have the full bouge version. Full bouge version. <laughs> I make I make a uh, it's being bougie. It's when you it's when you're you're extra bougie. You're just oh, I'm straight bouge. Uh, so the full bougie version is um, you I make the the mushroom soup. Oh shit. As well, damn. To use as an ingredient, <laughs> damn. Yeah. yeah, you don't go from the can. You make the whole ass. Okay. Yeah, you okay. make so you make the soup. Yeah, consistency all the way through, and in that version, always use fresh uh, green beans. Oh, there you go. I have okay. the straight from the can version where I can do cr- can cream mushroom, can green beans, mm-hmm. and the canned uh, picks French. You know the French's uh, French onion. Yeah, up on top, but. Uh, I found I kind of found the mid ground is kind of the is the way to go. Get yourself a decent canned cream of mushroom. Mm. Make that doctor it a little bit, consistency wise with flavoring. Mm-hmm. Add a little bit of fresh mushroom. Oh, okay, okay. Saute a little bit of mushroom. Throw it in there. Reduce that down. Use that as your your base. And then I stick with using uh, fresh green beans. Uh, it just oh, gives it a little go. bit more crunch. Yeah. Uh yeah, you blanch them so you get a little a little oh, early cook, okay, and then and then cut them up and then add them as per usual, and then yeah, just mix it up and bake it, and people people love it. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so so rock and roll with that, and then uh you know folks obviously uh use football to ignore your relatives, have awkward conversations, tell, <laughs> tell your parents to vote, uh and uh. All those things. I guess the other freestyle thing is uh, the only uh, Thanksgiving movie that anyone ever talks about, of course, is Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Uh, can you think of another Thanksgiving movie? Oh, gosh. No. Right? It's it's like the one holiday that like doesn't stand out as being a part of. I, I want to say something like a Harry Met Sally or one of those where there's like mm-hmm. long-form relationshipy movies. I'm sure there's like... A Thanksgiving scene. Yeah, because I think like maybe Five Hundred Days of Summer had like a Thanksgiving scene in it. I think, um, oh gosh, I think Soul Food probably had a Thanksgiving scene in it, right? But like Soul Food was all about like the Sunday dinners and then like the drama of everyone else around it. So like it wasn't a Thanksgiving movie, but right. it had Thanksgiving in it. So <clears throat> yeah, so there you go. Maybe that's our niche. You know, we're gonna mm-hmm. we're we're gonna open up Thanksgiving productions. You know, where we make Thanksgiving-centered movies, you know, where we tell the real story, you know, <laughs> like how the Indians and the Pilgrims got along and ate this, <laughs> <laughs> this We meal. don't need more colonialism propaganda. <laughs> no, no, I should say, I shouldn't say that anymore because everything's propaganda. We don't need more colonialism duplicitous propaganda. There we go. Okay, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, that's it for my interruption. Uh, let's bring him on home, man. What's uh, what's the last kind of thoughts you want to leave with our listeners before we jettison out of here? I mean, like we're we're in about like the three hundred days mark, or a little bit, a little bit before that, before the midterm elections. Um, the midterm elections are going to be a tough fight for Democrats and everything like that. We didn't speak about the in- uh, infrastructure bill and everything. Like, eh, I mean. Uh, I'd probably save it for another podcast because I I feel like it's a long like I feel like yes we got some infrastructure shit in yeah good job yay right was it was it as big as it could have been no do I still say fuck Christian cinema and Joe Manchin all day or day right do I think we're gonna get effed in the ass 
with our Build Back Better plan because the moderates were basically pushing us to do the, you know, physical infrastructure instead of the social infrastructure. Yes, very much so. But that's pessimism, right? And that's cynicalness. And I don't have any proof that's going to happen. So I'll eat my words if, you know, it passes the... Well, I think it passed the House recently. I, I forget. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but it has to... You need all 50 votes. So, like, will Christian Cinema and Joe Manchin keep gutting it so it does nothing effective? Right? I don't know. Right? Like, it, it, feel, it feels like a Pyrrhic victory, basically, right now. And we could have done so much more, but... Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema, they 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 want to go hard at the paint. So Nami, like it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's it's. It, we we should definitely we'll we'll make it more of a focus on the next podcast. Uh, it is a discussion about um you know what makes a Democrat and whether you know you could even consider Manchin and Cinema uh you know true Democrats or if they're supporting the cause or if they're just kind of like you know, Republicans and Democrat clothing. Mm-hmm. And also like Tulsi Gabbard. Right. So we'll 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 go into the ins and outs. Hopefully it helps some people. Hopefully it keeps the government working. Uh and you know gets the gets the kind of ball rolling on some of those initiatives that we did want. Obviously some of the teeth was taken out of it, but we'll uh keep pressing forward. Uh as always guys if you want to communicate with the show hit us up at the how you live in email uh, hylbox at gmail.com that's h-y-l-b-o-x at gmail.com you can get at me on the twitter sphere i'm on there about once every three months and <laughs> just like twitter was built for uh that's at c-town mayor s-e-a-t-o-w-n-m-a-y-o-r helping out your municipality by the coast Chaz, how can they get a hold of you uh you can find me on the tech talks the instagrams um um, at Chaz underscore Baz, one Z in the Chaz, two Zs in the Baz. And you can um, check out my page on Facebook, The Random Musings of Chaz Baz, and I'm thinking about starting back up. And I think Mikel and I are thinking about going live on Twitch with this podcast. We're considering soon. it, right? and uh, so. we just, we're just we shaking you down for your money. No, uh, yeah. it just feels like another dynamic, and maybe it'll help uh, spur us to bring guests on and kind of be a more uh, interesting show. Mm-hmm. And maybe you guys will give us your money. No, uh, so uh, much love. Love that you're listening. Have a good day, guys. Chaz, as always, it's been great. Yeah, you too, Mikel. Uh, We're out. Peace. R.I.P. Young Dolph. It's a brick, Maurice. Yeah, I spent 30 on this. Hope a nigga don't try to run a real quick. Yeah, Steph Curry in a clip. Counts out the Gucci, had to go and get Chanel. Bitch, I'm jail like a motherfucking player. Don't you ain't gonna stand out from the square. I'm really in the game, baby, I'm a star player. The jean that I got on cost a cool bag. Like a mirror jean with stripes on the side. Finish shirt on, get to make my fly. Hold a little bitch, don't kill my vibe.